praise the Lord. It's because we have a great God. We have a great God, and I am, I am honoured to be here. Um, I am not a preacher as such. I don't get many opportunities to share the word with people, but when the time happens, usually there's a message to go with it, um, and it's because we have a great God, and this God loves you, and he has placed something on my heart that I'm going to share with you, and I am thankful to him that he has uh, given me a chance to be with you again. I don't know, last time I spoke to you, I told you I wasn't sure when would be the next time that I would see you. And I'm glad that the Lord has given me another opportunity to be with you, this time with my whole family. Um, my husband and I have come on separate occasions in the past, um, but this is the first time that we have come as a family in four years. And I give honour to God, and I am thankful that you have all opened your heart to me and my family. Um, I know you're looking around and there doesn't seem to be many people here tonight. Um, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. If you could just humor me for a minute and close your eyes. Just close your eyes for the moment. And I want you to think of somebody dear to your heart that you would like to see in church. Someone that you would like to be here tonight for whatever reason outside of your control is not here. I want you to think of that person. And when you open your eyes, I want you to see them sitting in a chair. Now open your eyes and see them sitting in the chair here in church. Have you got that vision? And now tonight, I am preaching to a full church. There are people that may not be here physically, but they are here in your heart, and I know that you are praying for them, and I'm praying for them too. Some of these people I know you have in your mind and your heart, and I want you to see them tonight as I minister tonight from the Lord. If you will turn two scriptures that I'm going to start with. For those of you who are not familiar with the way I preach or teach, I don't preach long messages. Um, I've never been able to do that successfully, which is probably good for you. Um, but I, I really believe this is what the Lord has for you tonight. Um, as I said, I don't get much chance to, to preach with two children always at the door when you try to study or pray or something like that. Um, when you get a chance and a message comes, it sort of flows through and bang, that's it. And you don't really get much chance to explore other messages because God's just given you one. He's only had the chance to give you one. Um, and this is what he has given me. We're going to read from Psalms 3 and... Um, Luke 13 Luke 13 reading from verse 10 
and he was teaching this is talking about Jesus he was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold there was a certain there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could no wise lift up herself and when Jesus saw her he called her to him and said unto her woman thou art loosed from thine infirmity and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people there are six days in which men ought to work in them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day the Lord then answered him and said thou hypocrite doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the store and lead him away to watering and ought not this woman this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound low these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day and when he had said these things all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him and Psalms 3 3 reads but thou O Lord art a shield for me my glory and the lifter of mine head he is a shield for me my glory and the lifter of my head almighty God we are here O Lord Jesus in your presence almighty God with open hearts to receive your word I pray, O oh Lord God, that you will speak to each heart that is here and speak to the hearts of the people that they had in mind, Lord Jesus, to be here that are not here physically. O oh Lord God, for nothing is impossible for you and you are able to speak to them this night, Lord Jesus, and remind them, Almighty God, that you are the lifter of their head. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. When we lift something, we raise it up. And so to say God is the lifter of your head insinuates that your head must firstly be cast down. And something we associate when I say to you, I am, my head is cast down. You think of something that is sorrowful. You think of disappointment. You think of depression you think of a situation where you have no control when my children don't get what they want what's the first thing they do the head goes down okay but Psalms 3 was the psalm that David who at the time was the king wrote when he was forced to flee from his son Absalom his own son his flesh and blood now David's son Absalom caused a lot of trouble for David over the years my understanding of Absalom was that he was a very good looking charismatic sort of individual and he was well liked by the people of Israel they loved him he was a a people person and he was popular with the people and there was the expectation that Absalom would be the next king But being so good-looking and charismatic and a people person, he was also the cause of much heartache for his father, David. 
David never promised him the throne. Never. It's not recorded in the Bible that David said to Absalom that he would be the next king. We don't find it there. In one situation, Absalom's half-brother had um, assaulted Absalom's sister. And if you're an adult, you'll understand what I mean by that. Um, And Absalom, as payback, had his half-brother killed. And in so doing, um, he lived in exile for this crime. Yet David forgave him and accepted him back. And it's not easy to to do that with your kids there with their fighting and hurting each other you know what do you do do you punish them do you I've got two boys and all they do is punching each other but this is a serious situation you know whose side do you take do you listen to them but this is this is murder um Absalom had his half-brother murdered for the assault on his sister and yet David forgave him and accepted him back but after David forgave him, Absalom became what they referred to like a people's prince. And, and he started what I refer to as political manipulation of the people. He started saying things like, if I was king, I would do this. And if I was king, I would do that. And he was sweet talking the people and, and they were drawn to him and they, they loved him. He, he was very um, charismatic and outgoing kind of personality with the people. And he did this for a while and I guess his pride took over and he thought that life would be better if he was king. And he also had so-called friends that encouraged this idea. Need to be careful what friends we have. We really do. And so Absalom gathered his what's so-called fan club and he declared himself king. The thing was... David was still alive. He was still very active and he was still king. So what Absalom did was a very public, aggressive, um, so to speak, rebellion against his own father, the king. Um, And as I said before, he never passed the title of king to Absalom and he never promised him that. So for Absalom to establish himself as king, the previous king or the current king David had to be dead Um, and David knowing this and he wanted to prevent bloodshed he wanted to prevent um, a civil war he he took his family that he could and he left he fled for his life he fled his home and his people with a broken heart it wasn't just anybody that was after to kill him it wasn't just anybody It was his son who he forgave. He forgave his son and his son has betrayed him by seeking to kill him to take his place. Absalom wanted his father's crown and he would have to kill his own father. So David was on the run for his life from his own son. Not a very uplifting situation. And his head hung low from shame and hurt, disappointment. Yet at this time, it was at this time, his lowest point, that he said, 
O Lord, thou art a shield for me, my glory, the lifter of my head. They're not words of a, of a man that's gone through a trial. David was in the middle of his trauma. He was in the middle of a family, a political crisis when he said those words. Yet David knew in faith that he could rely on God. He knew that God gave protection and that God will give restoration. King David hadn't forgotten how great God is. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Lord, you are my protector in this situation. You're my glory. You're the one who's going to make me shine again. You're the lifter of my head. You're the one who's going to elevate me above this situation. My head is cast down now and I am hurt. I am depressed. I am ashamed that my own son, my own flesh and blood has injured me bad. But Lord, you will remove this shame and you will lift me up. You will elevate me above this situation. You will protect, you will restore and you will be the lifter of my head and I will bless your name hallelujah in the middle of fleeing for his life he said those words before everything was good and glorious he was speaking out his promise verse 2 of Psalms 3 says many there be which say of my soul there is no help for him in God Many people were criticizing David. They were laughing. They were saying there was no hope for him, that he was doomed, that it was impossible for even God to help him in this situation. And that's not very encouraging. When you're down and out and you're heartbroken, people talking like that does not help at all. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. David knew better and he had confidence in God. You are my shield. You will defend me from my enemies. You did it in the past. You will do it now and you will do it in the future. You will restore what has been taken away from me. David's life, all the things that happened to David when he was, when Saul was after him, when he was cast out here and there and all these people were against him he knew that God had carried him in the past and he would do it again you are the lifter of my head hallelujah hallelujah you know our concern about our own situations that we find ourselves in these days is how long before my situation is turned around. How long do I have to wait before everything is the way that it should be? How long do I have to wait before God comes through? Now, I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think there's anyone here that's on the run from their own children. I'm not 100% certain. I I don't think there is. It might feel like it some days, but um, we all experience situations um, outside of our control and we always think how long do I have to go through this how long do I have to be downcast how long do I have to put up with this now 
we refer to this generation as the millennials, apparently, so I'm told. Um, they are an impatient generation of, that want things now. Now, I don't know if I uh, agree with assessment of millennials. I'm only sharing what people tell me. Or you, know, you always hear people talk about this generation. Um, there's a young man, boy, in the church who has no qualms about telling you he's a millennial. And he says it's good because we get things done now. Okay, and that's very impulsive in my assessment. And if I was to ask him to take out the garbage, we'll see how quickly that gets done. Now, we can joke about that. We can roll our eyes at this generation. But in all honesty, no matter what generation we are from, or how good or bad we think a generation is or isn't, we are all human. And unfortunately, patience isn't usually a trait that we are born with nor it is a trait that we like. And sometimes we just have to wait. And we find many examples in the Bible of people having to wait. And the example that I'm referring today is the one that we read in Luke chapter 13. On a Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in the synagogues. And it was a common thing to find Jesus in the synagogue on a Sabbath teaching. There's no indication what he was preaching or teaching about or reading. It was just a usual day in church, sharing God's word. But something catches Jesus' attention. There's a woman there with a phys- who is un- who's physically unable to straighten up. She cannot lift herself. She cannot help herself. And Jesus calls her over and miraculously heals her. Now, there's no mention who this woman is. Um, sometimes in the scripture we're given um, name references to the, the person Jesus has healed. We know of bl- uh, blind Bartimaeus, Simon the leper, Jairus' daughter, etc. There's a, a name attached to it. But in this situation, we're not given a name attached to this woman. What do we know about this woman? We know she was a believer, she was disabled, and she had suffered her disability for 18 years. And now that's a long time to be suffering That's all we can honestly say that we know about this woman. Jesus referred to this woman as a daughter of Abraham. So she was an Israelite, she was a Jew, um, and she most probably heard Jesus' teachings. So she had faith to be there. She had to have faith um, or some hope possibly of deliverance perhaps. She was in church. And the Bible says she was bowed together. And some translations and commentaries put it that she was doubled over. Now, if you were to stand up, stand up, humor me for a minute again. I want you to show me your posture, okay? Straight back, head high, yes. Arms that we can lift our arms up, stretch, yes, yes. Smiling, beautiful, Moses, see? Pain-free, okay? Pain-free, you've got good posture okay now take a bow All right. lower 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 now imagine being like that for 18 years you can't even do that now okay for a, for a couple of seconds okay you may sit down that's okay alright but you take a bow and that's how she was we can lift ourselves up We have the ability to keep our shoulders back and lift our head high. But for 18 years, she was doubled over. 
The Amplified Bible reads in Luke 13:11, she was bent completely forward, utterly unable to straighten herself up or to look forward. She was doubled over, unable to straighten up. We can do it. This woman could not lift up herself. She couldn't lift her head. She couldn't put her shoulders back. She couldn't straighten her posture. And this would have caused very poor quality of life for this woman. I mean, how can, how can you live like that? Uh, try dressing yourself in the morning bent over. Try eating in that position. Your food would get stuck in your chest. You'd have to eat small amounts at a time. Try holding a conversation with your head down like that. How do you know she's talking to you? Try going to the bathroom, washing yourself. Not easy at all. It's difficult for us to stay like that, bent over for a couple of seconds like I asked you to. So imagine staying like that for 18 years like this woman. This woman was a cripple. Her body would not have functioned the way it should have and her normal life would have been stripped from her. She would not have been able to carry out the normal duties of a woman in that era. If she had family, she would not have been able to care for them. On the contrary, they would have had to care for her. And this is discouraging, embarrassing and depressing. For 18 years, her head hung low, physically and emotionally. How she got to this stage, we are not told. Was it gradual? Was it sudden? We don't know. Um... It just says that this woman's condition was a spirit of infirmity. So this leads us to understand that her condition was of a spiritual nature. Some commentaries suggest that she had arthritis. Some said that, you know, tried to connect the issue between spiritual, spiritual matters with physical sicknesses, etc. Um, I don't profess to know the depths of such spiritual issues. And one thing we need to be careful of is, and I say it all the time, commentaries are not the Bible. They're good for defining things and provoking thought. Um, But to suggest that the spirit reason behind this woman's disability is proof that all sickness is of evil spirits in nature is not correct. Okay? Um, There is evidence in the Bible that some sicknesses is a result of spiritual affliction. Um, For example, the case um, of this woman that we just read... Um, also in Mark 9:25, Jesus rebuked the foul spirit, referring to as thou deaf and dumb spirit. But Jesus didn't always address a spirit when he healed an individual. So you can't generalize um, and always blame medical problems on evil spirits. And in that generation, the Jews were very much into blaming bad things on a person's mistakes um, and sin. So all their parents sin. You know, and maybe this woman had sinned against God. I, I don't know. It doesn't say. Um, maybe she had the doubt in her mind. What she was listening to, what people were saying about. I'm sure they criticised her state. Um, they were very much into doing that. Um, but when I read it, wouldn't Jesus have told her that her sins were forgiven? Had there been a sin issue in this case? Jesus is someone who gets straight to the point, to the source of the problem. If this woman had sinned. He would have dealt with the sin first 
and then healed her. An example of this we read in Luke 5.20 when um, we hear of the, a man that was paralysed and he wanted to come to Jesus but he was in a house and it was full of people and he couldn't get through. So his friends climbed up on the roof, ripped off the roof and lowered him in front of Jesus to deal with, you know, to heal him. And, and what did Jesus say to him? The first thing he said to him was, Thy sin, uh, thy sins are forgiven. And then he went to tell him to rise up and take his bed and go on your way. So we need to be careful not to give the reason for someone's disease or bad situation as punishment for the sins or from evil spirits. Yes, I know there are some illnesses that are a result of sin. Certain immoral practices can lead to certain diseases. Um, Sometimes we do things to our bodies that result in sickness. However, we can't say that all medical problems are spiritual. Not all medical problems are related to sin from the devil. The problem is, we always want to know why. Why something bad is happening to us? Why am I in this situation? Why? 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 We're just like little kids. Why? 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 You know, this gets me. The disciples wanted to know whether the man born blind was blind because he had sinned or his parents had sinned. I mean, what kind of question is that? He was born blind. So when would he have had the chance to sin so that blindness from birth would be his punishment? And what was Jesus' response to them? He said, this man was born blind, who was born blind, was born blind because God wanted to make a point. It doesn't matter if your situation is a result of a spirit, like this bent over woman in Luke 13. It doesn't matter if your situation is a result of sin, the paralyzed man that came through the roof, Luke 5. It doesn't matter if your situation is a result of no reason at all. God allows situations for one purpose and one purpose only, and is that he would be glorified, that he would be the reason you rejoice when he has seen you through it all. I mean, we've got to stop focusing on the why I am suffering. God is in control of it all. It's not necessary to wonder why my situation is happening. The reason does not prevent or hinder God from rectifying the situation. It doesn't stop God from rectifying your situation. If it's an, if it's an evil spirit, they don't control God. Spirits don't control God. They flee from him. Sin. It has no claim over him. You know, there's no unforgiveness in God. It's us that have problems with forgiveness. We find it difficult to forgive ourselves when we have sinned, when we've made mistakes. We find it difficult to forgive each other when we've wronged each other. God doesn't have a problem with unforgiveness, never. So if it's a result of sin, you can go to him and he will forgive you. So instead of sitting there pondering, why, why, why do I have this problem? Why do I have to go through this trial? Why, why, why? Instead of worrying, start acknowledging God as the one who has seen you through it already. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, the lifter of my head. God will defend you from your enemies. God will restore you. God will be the reason 
that you will lift your head. Hallelujah. Jesus saw this bent over woman. She had a need. He saw her. He called her. He released her from her bondage. He made her straight again. He was the one that lifted her head. And what did she do? Verse 13 says, And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. After 18 years, of her disability, looking at the floor all the time, the dirt, hanging her head, listening to the whispers. This woman went home free and completely whole. Free and completely whole. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, we're told in verse 14 that the ruler of the synagogue was upset by this. His logic for the reprimand doesn't make any sense to me. He was upset because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath, if you're not aware, is supposed to represent rest. And you wouldn't, wouldn't you think it was the best rest anyone could have, could experience, would be to be delivered and set free from an 18-year-old bondage. It was the perfect day for this miracle And Jesus pointed this out to those people that were opposing him. Verse 16 says that Jesus told them that this woman, the child of God, she was the seed of Abraham, had every right, every right to be healed on the Sabbath. It was her entitlement as a daughter of God. It was the perfect day for her deliverance, the perfect day for her to find rest. Hallelujah. Jesus' word silenced those that opposed him. Verse 17 says that they were ashamed. They were embarrassed to even say it publicly. They were embarrassed by it. But this is what I like the best. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And I want you to notice one thing. Glorious things with an S on the end. There's plural The healing of this woman, I believe, wasn't the only thing that Jesus did that day. Just think about it. When the people understood who they were, what that they had needs, that they weren't restricted by time or tradition, I believe that they came to Jesus right then and further miracles occurred because it says glorious things. It wasn't a single event that day. The Bible doesn't record everything Jesus said or did, but to say glorious things were done by him gives me a very strong impression that the healing of this woman was just the beginning of what he did that day. Hallelujah. It appears that the deliverance of this bent woman was just a random thing that Jesus did during his teaching lesson. It was an interruption to the program. But listen to what I'm about to say. It is never an interruption when Jesus calls you out to meet your need. It's never an interruption when Jesus calls you out to meet your need. Never, ever, ever. Say it. Never. Never an interruption when Jesus calls me out to meet my need. Hallelujah. Now, it may appear that you're on the run for your life. 
that you cannot help yourself. And I don't know your family, but you may feel betrayed by them in some way. They may have hurt you. You may be bound by unforgiveness. You may be bound by sin. You may be bound by some oppressive spirit. You may be crippled by it. I don't know. But there's no need to concern yourself with as why this is happening to me today. That reason does not matter. You are a child of God. You have the entitlement to be released today. Today. There is no interruption when Jesus says, I want to meet your need. And with all my heart, I believe tonight that he wants to meet your need. If you would be so kind as to stand. You just need to trust God tonight and have faith that he will deliver you from whatever situation you find yourself in. He will protect you. He will deliver you. He will restore you. And I don't know how low your head hangs. I don't know how bent over you may feel. I don't know what causes those things in your life. But today is the day that you can be delivered like this bent woman. If you will trust the way David trusted when everything, the most hurtful thing that could happen to him, he was right in the middle of it all. And you may be in the middle of the most hurtful thing in your life. But if you will acknowledge him as the lifter of your head now he'll give you a day of peace a day of restoration a day where you will lift your hands and say how glorious he is for he is a good God and he loves you and he will lift your head and you will glorify him one day and you will rejoice loudly hallelujah hallelujah if you feel to come to the altar tonight we always have that custom of coming and presenting ourselves before God if you feel to do so do so tonight because I believe that God will deliver you and God will restore you. There is no spirit that can hinder God from doing what he wants to do. There is no sin that he will not forgive you from. And if there is no reason, it does not matter the reason. The reason being is he just wants to be glorified. He just wants to be glorified and magnified. He wants you to fall in love with him again and again in Jesus' name.